Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you say he's on an RBC commercial? No, he's not an R&B singer. Oh, what is he? He's a rapper? No, he's, reggae? He's a, he's a reggae. Reggae, yeah, 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 yeah. Reggae, yeah. reggae. He's a true reggae singer. A licky bum bum, yeah. Carter comes up shooting. Welcome to Toronto Art Matters. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. We've got the two sculptors in-house, Gregor Shadis, the Impressionist, the face of modern contemporary art. And we also have Javon Bigart, who started a new installation, um, actually um, giving homeless people machine guns downtown Toronto and seeing how they adapt in a discultured society. Um, Utopia. That's a joke. That's a joke. (laughs) This is Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 67, where I am joined in studio, as always, with Gregory Yeroshadis. What's up, T-Dot? And to the right is our occasional co-host. He is back, Javon Thundercat Bigart. I don't know what nickname you prefer. Just kind of went with that. How do you feel about Thundercat? It's all right, but you know we can stick with the original J Big. J Big. J Big works. Are you giving yourself your own nickname? I've had that nickname. That's what I did. That just reeks of narcissism. Sport uh, doctor. Sport doctor. That's what they call me on the streets. <laughs> on the Scarborough, streets. On the side. On the mean streets of Scarborough. That's right. J Big by name. That's right, man. Well, mine is Ricky Fujioka in Scarborough. <laughs> they know that motherfucker by name. Um, alrighty. Quarter one, Toronto Raptors basketball. Let's make it brief. Let's make it quick. There's a ton to get to. Um, let's round out. Rounding up the season. Last couple games. Um, big nut, Big win against the Timberwolves last night. Not really. All right. Anyways, we beat the Timberwolves. Andrew Wiggins. Fuck big Andrew. W- in terms of, like... Just, just rounding uh, up the season yeah, on, 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 on a good note. Yeah. Okay? Uh, nice little win over the Heat, and Jeremy Lange just absolutely fucking crushed us again in the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, let's start the Hornets game, Greg. What happened in that game? Why, why, why can't we just beat like this pretty dismal on the bubble playoff team? They, like, and why is Jeremy Lange just stabbing us in the fucking heart every single fucking There's, time we play They're them? desperate and they're scrappy, and we leave them open because he's not that good. Well, he's our second best scoring option. Yeah, I mean, they're not even 500. I just feel like overall the Raptors, um, since the Mark Gasol trade, I don't mean to bash on the guy, but they haven't been able to maintain leads and properly suppress the competition or their opponent. Like I just feel like teams have an ability to consistently come back in the game when he's on the floor. Mm. Um, it's not when he's on the floor, it's when the bench comes in. No, no, no. Like I've noticed it. So they would, the teams would always get multiple opportunities. Like, he would never be able to solidify or, or get the defensive rebound. I feel like when he's on the floor, mm-hmm. um, teams have a better chance at getting second chance opportunities just from 
crashing the glass, the offensive glass. Um, and I think, you know, his ability to not grab those defensive rebounds has really That's hurt the inability. Raptors. Inability. Inability. To grab those defensive rebounds has really hurt the Raptors. Yeah, but this was a problem with us before, too. Ibaka was a poor uh, defensive rebounder for, for a center. I agree. He's not a great defensive rebounder, but... I, if the rest of our team were better rebounders, it wouldn't be as well, big Well, it's a deal. good point, though, to bring up, especially come playoff time, because realistically, if we do jump past the first round, whoever we play, uh, we're probably going to be facing the Philadelphia 76ers. Obviously, Joel they Embiid, feature Joel Embiid, and if we don't really bang the glass, if we don't really have a physically established tone in the low post, we're going to be fucked come playoff time. I know they run a stretch four offense with Tobias Harris to the four position, but they do have some big bodies there, chiefly Joel Embiid, who uh, <laughs> it might be a long series for us if we can't contain him. Yeah. yeah, this was JV's biggest value to me. Actually, was his his uh, ogre status. Like he's he's not a he's he's not just he, a big he would guy. Dominate he's a, he's the an paint. ogre. Yeah, he would dominate the paint defensively and offensively. Yeah, I mean, but talking about since the Marcus All trade, since that trade, the Raptors are like the best three point shooting team in the NBA, and their assist numbers have jumped right up. And it's and I'm not even saying that like our assist numbers couldn't have beaten up with JV too, because like. I'm pretty sure that like the stuff he's doing in Memphis, and he's beasting in Memphis. Yeah, they're running him through the high post. We just never gave him that. Well, you, you brought back two po- like, great points. So like the the uh, increased efficiency in the three point shot, as well as the improvement yeah. in the passing game, as well. And those are the two defining characteristics that most teams sort of uh, try to structure their offense around when it comes to dismantling the Golden State Warriors. Look at the Houston Rockets. That's basically what they're chasing well, is playmaking. Without the passing. Three-point without the passing, yeah. But, but, but the threes. B- ball moving, fluidity, etc. Um, they don't move the ball, man. Well, okay, so we can say three-point shooting for yeah. the Houston Rockets and we can talk about the ball moving, fluidity, the Denver Nuggets. Two teams that are the best of the best in the Western Conference and two teams that can realistically have yeah. a good shot at being the Golden State Warriors. And yeah. that's what the Raptors are doing well right now. Maybe we're sacrificing the boards, but I think it, exactly. it offsets when it comes to three-point shooting and the playmaking. Yeah. Um, the thing, when I'm watching this Raptors team play, I've never seen a Raptors team move the ball like this. Yeah. I really haven't. It's unlocked something. Like It's almost like Masai made this decision like from a couple of years ago. Like, okay, we cannot continue to play this way. And I think part of it was getting rid of Dwayne Casey too and bringing in... Nick Nurse, because the way that the starters are playing is like the bench played last year. Yeah. Right? And I think uh, everything in moderation. Like, I don't think we can just stress the whole passing aspect because a lot of times Marcus Saul would get the ball in the high post, they would swing it to him, and, you know, it's predictable. I already know what he's going to do. Wait, 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 okay, okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Teams are just going to back off and play passing lanes. And he's just going to swing it to the other side. I'm like, that's the easy thing to do. You know, when JV was in the picture, he would swing it to the other side. But a lot of times, once he got the ball back, he's not swinging it again. Regardless, he's going to work. He's, regardless he's attacking of your, the basket. Okay. Question. And I think that's what the Raptors are missing right now. I got I to gotta ask you this, Siobhan. Regardless of your pragmatism, the statement you just made, do you not like Marcus Gasol because you don't like him as a player or you just love Jonas Valanciunas and subsequently you're just... Not. I just don't like what I'm seeing on the court. I yeah. feel like he's too predictable. He's not a paint threat. He catches the ball. He'll reverse it one time. But when he gets the ball back, he doesn't attack the basket. Once you get the yeah. ball back, like you need to attack. You need to be a threat. Be be a paint threat. Make he's the not, defense yeah. make the defense uh, react to what you're going to do. But it's easy to play Marcus Gasol because I know he. 
It's not that I don't know if he's a, if he's scared or if he just doesn't feel confident in his ability to attack the glass or the attack the basket. But he'll swing the he'll catch the ball at the high post or at the top of the perimeter and he'd swing it to the other side. And the first thing he does is he goes and sets a ball screen. Half the time it's late in the shot clock and guys just want to go ISO and then he just clogged the paint. And then when he does uh, set the screen and roll action and guys use the screen, he's diving to the basket and half the time he's clogging the paint. And I'm just like, you know, JV would have spaced out to the Russian spot, which is like the the short corner. He would have got the ball and he would have hit a, a jump shot. I mean, his, his offensive skills, JV's in comparison to Marcus. So it's not that I like JV more. It's just that he was more dynamic in his offensive game. And I think he complimented the Raptors a lot better. In just swim inside here really quickly before you jump back in, yeah. Greg. To the, we're just talking about the bring back the trade a second. You know, obviously, as Jonas Valanciunas, the centerpiece, Delon Wright also got traded. Look at Delon Wright's numbers in the month of April: eighteen points per game, Ballin. nine rebounds, eight and a half assists, shooting forty-eight percent from the field. I know. I, I was never happy with the trade, and I, I was like, Delon Wright, that guy's. Okay, let me tell you one thing about Delon Wright. When he first came to the Raptors, I was, I was, I didn't like him. He missed his whole first year. He was always injury prone. I'm like, why, why do we need a guy like this? Drafting you know? a senior as well, exactly. Very limited ceiling, you know. But as he started to get into the groove and his, and he started to become more a focal point of the the bench, I really started to like him. And I felt like he, 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 uh, he, he complimented uh, Fred Van Fleet in a way where Fred Van Fleet was. Cool, mm-hmm. calm, and collective. Well, he's he's very know. great off the ball. He's a co- good complimentary piece, and you don't necessarily he's, need to structure your he's, offense. He's like him, he's right? like you know the same things we say about Shea Gilgis Alexander. Delon Wright's been doing it for the past three years. Good comp, yeah. He's he's but, the exact same kind okay, of player. Okay, I, look, here's the thing: in making that trade, right, we sacrificed JV's offensive touches for a higher volume of three-point shots, right? Look what they did at the trade deadline. They they got rid of Greg Monroe, Jonas Valanciunas, CJ Miles, DeLon Wright. You say he's good without the ball. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that you could leave open. I don't think he's a bad shooter, but Who's he's DeLon? not a knockdown shooter. DeLon? Yeah, he's not. Oh, you can't you can't leave him open. I that's what teams are doing. <laughs> like okay, so but my point is you got rid of I think, I think last year you could have left him open, but this year I think his three-point shot is a lot better. Yeah, no, he's much improved and he had big shots last year too. But like, if you just look at who they got rid of and who they brought in and signed, right? Even, right? So with the exception of Jeremy Lim, yeah. the Raptors roster now, right? When you got Meeks and Miller, like you've sacrificed basically like trying to set up JV in the low post for a higher volume of three-point shots that are coming off ball movement, right? With with Marcus Gasol kind of as as like a playmaker in, in that offense. I actually agree with you. My I have a big concern. We're not scoring as much as some of the top teams in the leagues are in the league are scoring. I have a concern that okay, Marcus Gasol's outside shot, and that's one thing he does bring. He has a quick release three-point shot that goes in. He's been shooting it well. Okay, his his post um, offense isn't really there, but more concerning to me is that in the mid range when he catches the ball, you have seen a couple of players do this. They'll start backing off him now because they know he's not looking to shoot it. He's looking to swing it to the other side. So guys are clogging like like he's not able to get those those, those back cuts. Yeah, because the 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 center that's guarding him isn't fully closing out like closing on to him. So he's backed off, and now they've clogged the lane. And I was reading this this Memphis like basketball blog and the trade. And this guy, he wrote this long post, and he said the main thing with Gasol is, can he hit the mid-range shot? Because in Memphis, he said, sometimes he hit it, sometimes he didn't. And when he didn't hit it, his value really drops. Yeah, and I think that's what we're seeing with the Raptors. If guys wanted to sag off JV at the high post, what would he do? He'd hit the mid-range shot. 
yeah. he was consistent with that. Yeah. And I think it just the dynamism in the Raptors offense has just become a lot less. Like we you don't think have we're that. Le- you think we're less dynamic now? I- Everybody's shooting the three, right? Nobody's getting in the paint. No one's but- getting in the no one's no one's getting post touches where they're able to execute from from that angle of of ba- the basketball. It's coming game. more from like dribble penetration and like hard cuts and kicks. But you're right. We don't have a low post score. Like like yeah. Gasol isn't like he struggles to create his own low post shot. Exactly. And that's my issue. Like guys know what the Raptors are about. They're gonna be a whole bunch of wing players and Gasol's gonna try and get them open with screen and roll action. So um it's, but it's, no it's, one's actually played us yet like that. All right, you guys. This is the interesting part to me. Wrapping up the Raptors discussion, jumping in the second quarter, we have a lot to get to. Obviously, the most surprising surprising news or uh, piece of information that came out within the last couple of weeks is the resignation of Magic Johnson as the president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles Lakers. He was hired last season as a co-manager of Rob Palenka. Um, many people sort of championed to be the guy who brought in LeBron James. The fact is LeBron probably going to go to LA regardless, who was you know the head of uh, basketball operations at the time. Um, big takeaway, at least for me, I'll let you guys get into this for a second. It's very, it seems very unprofessional the way he handled the situation, simply based on the fact he didn't even have a fucking meeting with Jeannie Buss, didn't even notify Rob Palenka, LeBron James, or anybody prior to him going to the press conference and simply stating, I want to retire. And it's also the fact that he just never took the fucking job seriously in the first place. You know, the, like the, his naivety and like him saying like, I, I just want to have fun. I want to enjoy my life. Walking into this position, especially being in that position for the Lakers, you're going to be on the fucking plane all the time. You have to go watch ton of basketball. You have to be physically moving all the goddamn time to evaluate talent, scout players, etc. And it didn't really seem like he had the time or the willingness to put himself in a situation to be able to make the team the best version possible. Look at the fucking offseason fiasco. Yeah, like I Rojan Rondo, <sighs> Beasley. I could, yeah. McGee. And I mean, maybe you could start there. Like the the construction of the roster was was flawed from the get go. Um, you know the that the, the harebrained scheme, which I'm sure he was a part of, right? To try to like force Anthony Davis, right? Which I still put more on LeBron to be honest. Yeah, and that's why his teammates gave up on him. But you know, like you said, like. It's not so much like that he resigned. It's how he resigned. It's it doesn't it doesn't it's not very um he didn't do it in a very classy way. It wasn't like, professional. Yeah, it wasn't professional. Like like you don't just call an impromptu I mean, I don't know what the what the standard is, okay? But like it doesn't seem like it's proper etiquette to do that. Like you call an impromptu conf- uh, uh like meeting of the press, not even a press conference, right? Outside the locker room. Uh was this before the game? This is before the Lakers game. It's before the game, okay? And you don't tell your boss that it's going to be happening. You don't tell your 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 coworker that it's going to be happening, right? I mean, you mentioned you don't tell LeBron. I don't think you should have to tell LeBron, but clearly because LeBron's him and LeBron went in on this together, and I'm sure LeBron was upset. Yeah. Right. And then like his reasoning, right? Like, like he wants to be able to mentor young stars like Ben Simmons, uh, who, 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 who tweet him or whatever. Right. He, he said he's something like he felt trapped in that position and it didn't allow him to actually provide consultation advice to players throughout the league. He felt like he said he couldn't give Dwayne Wade recognition on Twitter for his retirement because it'd be a conflict of interest, which I don't think would be in the first place. I think he's looking just for an excuse to get out of that position. On Twitter. And, you know, like, he doesn't want to be the bad guy. Well, like, dude, then don't 
take on like a high level that's office the thing job, that's what doesn't make any capitalism, sense capitalism man if the lakers were in the playoffs is magic johnson quitting that's a great point he's not quitting at all he was just caught between a rock and a hard place it seems like Someone he didn't want to go. have to face the media come the uh the postseason interviews and the postseason review and him having to comment on all the 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 disaster that was the lakers season mm-hmm. it seemed like he just didn't want to have to comment on it so he took the easy way out. Just the way he Resigned handled before the last but, game of the year. But because you know what, and he mentions it like he's like, oh, I didn't want to, uh, I, I, I didn't want to affect anyone's livelihood because apparently he got the okay to fire Luke Walton. Yeah, someone was gonna have to fall on the sword, and you know actually who it was? It's their like head of, um, oh, he's like their physio guy. He was re- he was recently fired by the uh, by the it's, Lakers. It's just hilarious <laughs> that at the end of the day, when all the smoke cleared, Luke Walton won the battle with the perennial and like greatest player of all time, Magic Johnson. Situation. I think he still might get Magic, fired. Magic Johnson. That no, Genie Bus loves Luke Walton. Yeah. Magic Johnson came into this season. Luke Walton was on the hot seat. It was it was pretty clear that Magic Johnson didn't want Luke involved with the organization. I think it's more of an indication of how strong relationship Luke Walton Luke Walton has with Genie Bus. I think the bigger issue here is the is the ownership is the leadership from the ownership and genie bus and bus family obviously genie's brother was a complete shit show as the owner running the day-to-day operations of the organization and genie bus you know obviously he's a substantially better uh dealing with the day-to-day subtle nuances of running a team than her brother yeah, but clearly not that much better look at mitch kupchak for example as a hire prior to this administration mitch kupchak was a fucking hack that guy was a relic when he was hired in the first place that Isn't guy he now in uh, charlotte exactly yeah. and what has like he's just he, he's a he's a terrible GM and bringing in the combination of Rob Palenka, Magic Johnson on paper maybe was a sexy, enticing option. But at the end of the day, it was. Y- symbolism. You y- had a former agent and a guy who's never been in a basketball leadership role in Magic Johnson, yeah. hopefully thinking that they can, you know, bring promise to probably the biggest market of basketball in the world. Like I mentioned before, LeBron James was coming to this team in the first place. The biggest fuck up they had was A, Paul George not going to their team, which everyone was kind of dead set on for the longest time. And also secondly, Anthony Davis getting completely sabotaged by Rich Paul and Clutch fucking sports agency, put a whole... Uh, yeah. Black eye on the Lakers team the second half of the uh, you know what I mean everyone like if like like the whole core team was on the fucking trade block right like there it is a huge terrible shit show of a season and Javon brought up a great point if they were making the playoffs I think Magic Johnson probably wouldn't be yeah because asking the, for the, the tough hitting questions wouldn't be there I mean if you look at the Lakers uh, their roster they had a whole bunch of young guys and then they had a whole bunch of one year veteran guys mm-hmm. who signed those one year contracts. There's a clear divide in the roster. You got the old guys and you got the young guys. And the, and the old guys they brought in are to trade the young guys. Mm. That was the plan, right? Trade the young guys. You bring in a, a big star, and now you've got the LeBron team. Like he just like Miami. You have the two big superstars, right? Two yeah. or three stars, and then the veteran guys. But you see how it was so. It was like manipulated. It wasn't. It yep. wasn't. It wasn't like a natural process where nope. you know what they're they're playing like garbage. They already had a superstar. That superstar convinced another superstar to come. It was like no, uh, the Lakers had nobody, and then LeBron decided to go there and thought that he could bring other guys there in in, in other season. It just seemed like con- like it wasn't conducive towards success. Like it was it was it was a, a disaster waiting to happen. And I and and the whole idea that wherever LeBron goes, they're they're going to be successful. I, th- I don't think that, you know, we're going to be saying that anymore. It was just so forced. Yeah. You know, like you just said, there was a clear divide. He had veterans and he had rookies. 
Uh, you had the Lon- you had the you know that's even before Lonzo Ball. You had D'Angelo Russell, yep. Brendan Ingram as your core big two Randall. guys you're building around. Randall, Randall as yep. well, yep. exactly. And and and, and for and, and for some reason, a he came in first day running the show for the Lakers and automatically made a decision that D'Angelo Russell is expendable with the Mozgov contract before they even drafted Lonzo Ball. Imagine they put themselves in a situation where they kept D'Angelo Russell, drafted Jason Tatum. We wouldn't be having this conversation or, right now because they probably have Anthony Davis, right? And, and I think that's the key thing in this whole in this whole makeup. The 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 recruitment, the drafting, and the and well, the, and the building pick up a of direction, young talent. But pick a direction, right? And again, like you were mentioning, the veterans they brought in aren't necessarily leaders. Rojan no. Rondo has never developed Michael. a reputation Fucking Beasley. Exactly. Javali McGee. You want guys who are going to set an example every single day in practice. And these guys may be talented like basketball role players, players. Role players. But guys a, who will lead by example. Exactly. Not necessarily lead in terms of like, hey, guys, come here, come here. But guys who will lead by example, setting the right precedent, letting the younger guys know this is what an NBA Like, I would rather have like a Devin. Stevenson. Rather have a Devin Harris or a Jose Calderon than a Rojan Rondo any exactly. day. Those exactly. are the type of players ah, you need, right? Nah, maybe maybe punt on. a season purely for the intention of developing the younger guys as opposed but, to thinking that you have the opportunity to package all even need to do that. They like they were actually a decent team when they all came and played together. But then the young guys found out that oh, LeBron's just like bigging us up to increase our trade value, and everything went to shit. Their defense went to shit because mm. they had no camaraderie. If I could just, you but know I what? Think, well, before you go on, I think LeBron James was the culprit for that. I remember I seen a video yeah. about how LeBron James was playing no defense, no defense. Those and, guys are covering and, his ass. And 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 I remember I, there was this one specific play where LeBron James guy he closed out on the guy. And then LeBron James guy swung it. LeBron James went back into help side, and then they swung it back to LeBron's guy. And LeBron's LeBron looked at his defender, or yeah. the, the guy who he's supposed to defend. And then you had Kuzma who pushed LeBron into him to guard him. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what, what, what kind of yeah. ba- what kind of what kind of effort is this? Yeah. What kind of They're leadership is this, LeBron? Yeah. Just a, a team of, of of individuals. And like, look, here, going back to Magic Johnson, right? Because like, again, letting D'Angelo Russell go, letting Julius Randle go. Letting uh, uh, Lopez go, who is now like a contributing center to the best team in the league this year, right? And like great small, great small ball five, a good modern day four or five in Julius Randle. If they had those guys, Brandon, they would have made the. They would have been able to make the playoffs and sustain LeBron, like like through LeBron's uh, LeBron's injury. Right? Mm. They were only getting rid of these guys for like the upcoming well, thing to go after a star. It's such guys. a shallow way, right? Right, like, like I, I just, I, like we were talking about the start of the season, and we'll talk about it now. I just don't understand what the fuck Magic Johnson, Rob Plinka were thinking when they thought that they could put together an adequate competitive product when they're signing guys, you know, predominantly ball handers who can't shoot the fucking ball from outside Yo, fifteen they, feet. Magic LeBron James needs spacers, he needs three point shooters. Yep. You can't have clunkers like that filling Dude, out the fucking lanes. He right? thought he was building the Showtime Lakers again, <laughs> right? He thought he would go against the grain and whatever, right? Uh, if I, This is what bothered me the most about what he was saying. In the press conference, he goes, I've got a beautiful life, so I'm just going to go back to that beautiful life, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm a free bird, and I've been handcuffed. That's what I was saying. Like that's what I was mentioning before. What were you thinking when you walked into that position? What were you thinking when you got that position? What kind of job do you think you're walking into? How and much like, time he had, he had so do you much have to invest in this position? He had so much clout, but he, he didn't have you know any what, experience. You know what he, he was thinking? Probably me of the Phil Jackson signing in New York. He was uh, a great coach, but he's not a great executive. Right, and, and, the only, and they don't even want the job. They, they they just want the 
the the the idea of the job or the title of the job. They're not they're not actually there to work and and put in that effort. They're not they're not like Masai Ujiri. Well, they had the Magic Johnson thing they were mentioning, but he had his own talk show back in the eighties and or the early nineties. And the whole thing about Magic Johnson and the experience during the talk show was that he wasn't committed to it. Mm. He liked the idea of doing a talk show, but when it comes to the actual day to day sort of monotonous, repetitive bullshit associated with holding down said show or said position, yeah. he couldn't handle it. Yeah, Mag- like you just said, Greg, Magic Johnson just wants to have fun. He just wants to enjoy his life. He just, just wants, wants to show up. Exactly. He doesn't want to put the hard work in. Well, well, it's, this is a guy who I think, you know, with all due respect to the work that he put into it, the game came easy to him. Yeah. He's an all-time great, right? And guys like that, like, you know, uh, you don't have, he's not like the the Fred Van Vliet. He no. didn't have to grind it out Well, like I would say that. it's beyond his encore play, though. Interview. I would say his when it comes to his business ventures, his no, ability saying, to attain capital after his career and how easy all that kind of came to yeah, after his playing career, right? But yeah. I'm saying his original, like, how he achieved success, of course you have to work hard and do all that stuff, but he was blessed. Took him well, eight years to get a three-point right? shot. Look at his name. Like, that that, that didn't yeah. just come out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, like, the game came easy. It was magic to him. Yeah. He literally just walked on the court. Yeah. No fear. Didn't, didn't have to be afraid of failing or making mistakes or whatever. He was a six foot eight point guard. <laughs> Who's a six foot eight point That's guard? That's what I'm in saying, the man. That's Nobody. what I'm saying. Do you think this experience, like similar to Phil Jackson when he completely destroyed the New York Knicks and he completely alienated Chris Abbas Porzingis? <laughs> do you think this is on par with a sort of like legacy sort of hit? With Magic Johnson's sort of quick in and out with the Lakers, I think I think it's a blip. I don't think it's a a, a big hit because yeah. at the end of the day, he still has five championships. So it's not gonna be his opening paragraph on his Wikipedia page. Exactly, nothing, like right? Phil Jackson still has uh, what what does he have like eleven championships? Yeah, like 11 no, nobody rings. cares about the Knicks. He's gonna be like, oh, yeah, I should have been retired then. I don't know why they wanted me to do it, but if they want to give me eighty five million dollars, why not? Yo, Jeannie Bus might uh, bring back her old lover and put him in that role. You know. Jeannie Buss was dating Phil Jackson for several years. Really? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't think you can employ someone who's physically incapable of walking on a set of stairs <laughs> as your head of basketball operations. Alrighty, moving down the list. Uh, one game left. This is the last game leg your season tonight, and there's a lot at stake, and it is extremely complicated. Mm. And I'm gonna try to break it down as easy as I possibly can mm. for you guys. Um, so in the Western Conference, we're gonna start there. Right in the West, right now, we'll talk about the bottom of the West before we get to the top. Uh, there's a bit of a log jam between the sixth, seventh, eighth position. Thunder sitting 48 and 30. Spurs 47 and 34 Clippers 47 and 34 so depending on what happens tonight that can change but I want to discuss the top four teams beyond the Golden State so two three and four in the West because this is pretty fucking insane in my opinion so tonight if Denver loses to Minnesota Houston advances to the second spot but okay if Denver wins the Nuggets will have the two seed all right which will probably happen however if Denver wins and Portland beats Sacramento, Houston drops to fourth in the Western Conference. Ooh. Sorry, wait. If Denver wins and, and Portland beats Sacramento, Sacramento, how do they drop to fourth? Wouldn't it be third? Portland jumps them, but there's, Houston. There's probably jump a tied record, and then Portland jumps them, and then Denver finishes at second. Portland's third, Denver second, Golden State one, Houston four. Oh, Houston drops. I thought you meant Denver drops. No, I said Houston. Okay, my fault. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Uh, yeah, so it's it'd be a pretty interesting shakeup. Uh, I would love to see the Houston drop to four, get Golden State in the second round, love get it. that matchup over with quickly. What do you guys think? <laughs> what do you mean get that magic that matchup with over? That's going to be a seven game series. No. I, I, no? W- w- would you rather see the inevitable happen sooner or later? 
Golden State's winning the championship this year. I'm not casting any aspersions. I can throw out as much hope as I want. I can be. Uh, I can cross my fingers and you pray got to Golden Christ State that someone else will win. You got the. That's the. That's the only bet. Golden State. The only bet is Golden State or the field. There is no discussion about this. I am taking Golden State 100% in this situation. In the playoffs, in my prediction, Golden State is winning the championship. Uh, my only thing is Houston would be the only team that could possibly take them out in a seven-game series, which I don't think is going to happen. I so mean, more learning the fact that I'd rather see them play each other well, as opposed to it, delaying it the inevitable. It doesn't happen unless James Harden uh, can can do what he's done in the regular season in the playoffs. and He's never been able to do that. Um, even last night, I was watching. you guys... Last night was an amazing game between the Thunder and the Rockets. The Thunder came back in the fourth and, and beat the Rockets. Um, to, I think, solidify what will be the sixth seed for it's OKC. Cra- Thank God, but, because but, they were slippery, slipping down to the, potentially the AFC with listen, Golden State listen, in the my, opening matchup. But my, watching that, Brandon, Harden didn't score a point in the fourth quarter. He missed, sorry, not a field goal, I think, sorry. He missed a, a free throw. He missed a free throw that to put the game away. Right, he split them, and then in the final possession of the game, after Russell Westbrook had rushed the ball up the court, kicked it to Paul George for a three, big time three. Right, the, the next possession, Harden basically like fouled uh, George, but no call was made, so George was flopped off him, and he had an open three at the buzzer, and he missed it. Hmm. So like, I guess, uh, things to come. Well, he the criticism of him has has always been right that he doesn't. Br- you have these all offense finesse players, and he's played better defense this year. But like, he's got to in order for them to 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 beat Golden State, he has to be the best player on the court. Yeah, I think he he has to be like a Michael Jordan type. He has to have a Michael Jordan scoring offense, and he has to be hitting his shots. But that's what I mean. It's all and predicated on like these pull up threes, man. He you start step back threes. Yeah, he can't be taking thirty shots, making ten. That's not going to do it. He has to he has to be hitting at least fifty percent of his shots, right? Making the on, the defense honest, so if they do close out hard, he can swing the ball and get his guys open looks and all that stuff. So if he's not hitting his shots, then guys don't have to play him as tight. I mean, they still do, but they don't want that. If the the one guy that you don't want to beat you is James Harden, and if he's beating you, then it's a problem for uh, Golden State. Yeah, like just kind of last point on this. The only. F- Thing I like about Houston and Denver when it comes to potentially beating the Golden State Warriors is their depth, is their bodies, is the amount of different looks they can provide on any given night when it comes to the series and the adjustments they can make. But like Hold I just on, kind of mentioned, is that the key though to beating Golden State? You think the depth? I think it's the only key Golden that State any team have has. Any depth. That's what I'm saying. Oh, so, so you, but being able to run them out from their bench. Okay, yeah, but I mean, they, I, I just don't see Golden State playing a lot of their bench. Neither do I. Right, so so like, but I'm I'm, I'm looking for any and, potential no, no. crack or chink in the no, armor. No, admit, but it makes theoretical sense to say Denver has a deeper roster. They could play more guys, more energy, keep the pressure up higher, play faster, and tire out Golden State starters. Right, but in in the in the playoffs, as we saw with the Raptors last year, it just seems to be more about your front end talent, and that's why I still hold out hope for those Thunder. Yeah. Alrighty, so going to the Eastern Conference quickly before we talk about a couple player retirements. Uh, so six, seven, eight right now are um, six, seven, eight right now are on the bubble. We're not quite sure what's happening right now. Greg's running to the back right now, trying to close the window because his uh, soft Cypriot skin can't handle the uh, tumultuous uh, Canadian uh, spring. <laughs> Fuck, God, that's embarrassing. That's a nice um, anyways, six, seven, eight are all at stake right now in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I'll break it down really quickly for you guys. So Brooklyn will finish six if it beats Miami. 
Or if Charlotte defeats Orlando tonight, if neither happens, Brooklyn gets a seventh spot, which is not a good situation for the Raptors because I w- ideally want to play Magic in the first round. Detroit only needs to win against New York to keep its position at eighth. If Detroit wins and Orlando also loses, the two swap spots and Detroit enters a postseason as the seventh seed, which is not, not what spells doom for the Raptors considering their fucking regular season lack of success against the Pistons. I disagree. And Hornets get in with a Knicks win over Detroit, plus beating Plus them beating uh, or winning their game that night against the Knicks as well. So a lot could happen. A lot could change. There's so is th- Miami officially eliminated? Yeah, uh, Miami we is officially eliminated. eliminated. Them. Damn. Javon, who do you want to see in the first round of the, the four teams I just mentioned? Orlando. Thank you. Why Orlando? Because I think the Raptors' deficiency is their front court. And I think the Raptors have an advantage in the front court over Orlando. Pretty much it. I, 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 I'm not trying to hate on Marcus so, but No, Vucevic kills us, man. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to be able to... I think Marcus Gasol has a strength advantage over him. And I don't think he's as athletic as some of the other front court guys who uh, we would be uh, facing. Like uh, Brooklyn has the weakest front court. No, uh, what's his name? They the guy have, with the afro? What's yeah, his name? but... but what Jared Allen. What Jared Allen, he, he dominates uh, Marcus Gasol. When we put Ibaka on him, it's a better matchup, though. Exactly. No, for sure. Wait, okay, so... But do you realistically think, okay, that any of those teams, including Detroit can take more than two games from us. So Detroit's already taken three games from us this year. But in the playoffs, like, do you really think that they can take three games from us? I I, I don't see it. I, the reason why... I think <laughs> that if our shots aren't falling and Detroit's shots aren't falling, they're grabbing offensive rebounds. Yeah, and like, they can... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, like, if we're, if, if we're not able to limit them to one possession and we're not able to get into our own groove and we have sticky fingers because at the end of the day, like, Kawhi's an ISO player. And we got him to dominate in the playoffs. And if he's, if we're giving him the ball every possession and going ISO, it's a recipe for disaster. So it's scary. Like, I, I think that, you know, the reason why we brought Nick Nurse in was to get that ball flowing and all that jazz. I just hope we can stick to it in the playoffs. Well, um, and, you know, I want to get back to that. Can I just say, you talked about Miami. And I loved watching, like, our killer instinct in that game. We didn't have to do that. We didn't have to, like end their season like that, end Dwayne Wade's career like that, eh? <laughs> but but we did, and Kawhi did, and it was lovely. Kawhi has killer instinct. So <laughs> yes, just killer instinct. Just going back to the just playoffs really quickly. Fuck. So, okay, at least for me personally, if I'm looking at all four teams and deciding who would I rather face, who would ideally like to avoid, I would rather face the Pistons and the Magic than the Nets and the Hornets. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Bold statement. The only reason why I say that is because the playoffs, you're shorting your bench. You don't rely on your depth, guys. Your number one, number two guys are going to carry your team to the promised land. And for me, the two get best guys in either, like amongst all four of those teams, are Kemba Walker and D'Angelo Russell. Mm. And those guys realistically on any, any given night can take over any game, regardless of the playoffs or not. That's my fear. I would rather play Detroit, even though we had a shitty regular season record against them, than the Charlotte Hornets and the Brooklyn Nets. You're you're nuts, man. I I I I don't fear. I, I really don't fear the Nets. I'm not saying I fear them. Like, we are clearly going to smoke anybody in the first round amongst those four teams. I'm just saying if I was going to be fearful of of okay. those teams, what about I, as a basketball? That would be fan? the X factor. What about Brandon as a basketball? What matchup fan? would I like to see? Yeah, Brooklyn Nets. They're my team. The most competitive. That would be the most competitive matchup. I, I I would, and I agree with you, Detroit's a harder match. I want to see Detroit. 
I, I, I want to see Dwayne Casey back at the uh, at the ACC. Sorry, Scotiabank Arena. Sorry, uh, I forgot that. which corporation like stamped it lately. <laughs> um, I would love to see that. I think it would be, and especially with the whole narrative that that they beat us so many times this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And then guys, and you could go down Casey. there like on a road trip, right? Oh, that would be beautiful. It'd be a lot of fun. Tickets are probably still fifty bucks. Yeah, <laughs> I'll forge my old press pass on the Observer. Um, all right, uh, last we'll jump in the third quarter. Talking to about a couple retirements really quickly. Uh, obviously, Dirk Nowitzki announced last night that it was his last game. Finishes Karoff with a blistering thirty points. Um, just a quick rundown before we talk about his legacy. Dirk Nowitzki, sixth all-time in scoring, fifth all-time in defensive rebounds, second all-time in NBA Finals free throw percentage. 82 consecutive free throws made in the regular season, which is the third longest streak of all time. 26 consecutive free throws made in the finals, longest streak of all time. One of three players released 30,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, 3,000 assists, 1,000 steals, 1,000 blocks. One of two players ever with 153 pointers, 100 blocks in a single season. One of four players of the NBA playoff career average of 25 points per game and 10 rebounds. One of seven members of the 50-40-90 club in 2007. You filled it up, man. Finals MVP in 2011, MVP 2007, 14-time All-Star, 12-time All-NBA team member. Greg, what's your lasting impression of Disco Dirk? Well, he's, he's the greatest European ever, right? Greatest European basketball player ever. Uh, that is, like, as of now, I think Luka Doncic might might take that mantle from him. Um, you know, Ooh. Ma- yeah. well, when it's all said and done, he looks like he can. Um, for me, what stands out the most is that, you know, the, the two moments in time first, that 2006 team that won, like, however many games it was, 65, 63, like it was, it was up there. And then that got bounced by golden state that year, right? Baron Davis. Davis, Right. Um, and then was it, was it that year? I think it was the next year. They went, the, they went, they to, went the to the finals. finals. They lost, no, they lost to the Warriors uh, in the first round, two to four. That's their 67-15 year. When he was at MVP, no, you're right. right? You're right. Okay, yeah. You know, and then to see them get to the finals and come up just short. And then it was like several years later that they reemerged, you know, that same core, right? Tweaked a bit around Dirk. He's a little older, a little wiser. That Jason Kidd. Jason, I love that yep, team, yep. man, JJ right? JJ Barea. Right? And... You know, Jason Terry was Jason on that Terry, team. Yep. Sean Merriam was on that team. Just to to see them, or or, or to, to to see him, and that was against the Beatles. Sorry, not the Beatles. The <laughs> the, he- the Heatles. <laughs> the Heatles. The Heatles. They call them right. You know, that was against like arguably the most talented team. That was one time. of the most satisfying victories I've ever seen in my yeah, entire yeah. life. Yeah, to see a team, right? To Beat see a, a bunch team. Of superstars. Yeah. Um, parody you know it, it, nobody had any expectation coming into 2011 that the Dallas Mavericks okay, were winning the championship I just want to say one thing so I made a bet that year that Dallas was going to win I made a bet for 20 bucks everybody every, I swear to God I'll get this guy on the pod but I made a, a $20 bet that Dallas was going to beat the Heat and Disco Dirk showed up and the strength of behind, you know, a unique talent like Dirk Nowitzki. It's really hard to strategize and game plan around a guy like that. Yeah. And that team and that season was incredible. My only thing of Dirk Nowitzki is that everything in his career prior to his championship accomplishment was score of a buildup to an eventuality. And it sucks because he won the championship eight seasons ago. And it feels like everything afterwards has just been irrelevant. I got my championship and there's nothing I'm really working toward. There's no one additional... 
they didn't bring back the team. And well, he and he did take the discount. He did take the salary discount, the contract. They never yeah. were able to put efficient talent around him, but it never really felt like he wanted to compete. Like he didn't have the same competition level he had prior to the Once 2011 season, right? Well, I think he was at the end of his prime too, right? Yeah, he, he was. Like he, I think when is he born? Like 78, 79? Yeah. So he was at the end of his prime or getting close to it. And after that, Jason Kidd was already at the end of his prime. And then but they didn't want to pay Jay Kidd to come back. And Jason Kidd then, I think, went to New York to, mm. end, his, to end his career. Yeah, but it's the same thing, right? Analytics say that you don't pay a, an aging player because... Yeah. You know so, what though? You're absolutely right. They got the right. championship, but everyone like that's that's the beauty of the situation. We're also going to talk about Dwayne Wade in a second, but this is the the like it's it's great to win championships. It's great to be a um, a NBA mercenary for higher um, superstars jump teams every single season. And there's something really refreshing and beautiful about one guy playing with an, like one team for the entire context of his career. Like he's going to retire as a good guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. There's going to be no negative association of Dirk Nowitzki's name as well as Dwayne Wade's name at the end of their career. They, they Their legacy is defined by their own choices and not jumping ship and making the quick, easy decision to try to win a championship and form a big three like we're seeing right now. They stuck to their guns. They stuck to a team. They stuck to a culture and they stuck to a city and were able to to bring the championship home and, and that's beautiful that that was a tough thing about seeing a guy like DeMar DeRozan go is that someone who's so loyal and yeah. to to his team and, and, and doesn't give a fuck about financial gain or branding or exposure the day, all these the guys court, are millionaires right? so when they jump ship or or they do everything for every last penny like it, it it tweaks me a certain way and the fact that Dirk Nowitzki stayed took that that uh hometown discount and was able to finish his career in Dallas. I think, like you said, it's a beautiful thing. And and you see his imprint on the game. Like, you know, uh, when Dirk started, like, bigs were discouraged from shooting like that. The yeah. only one, like, that I could bring up prior to that was, like, Arvita Sabonis. He came in league yeah. as a small forward. Yeah, right? And But 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 think about, like, even how you see, like, um, Durant do these, like, one-footed, like step, like fadeaway shots. Disco these, Dirk. Yeah, these are things that Dirk kind of brought in. You right? bring in Sabonis quite a bit, and and he did have his landmark of the overall evolution of the game. But for me, there's only two Europeans that really stick out when it comes to just being able to manipulate the evolution of what we're seeing right now on a nightly basis, and that'd be Manu and obviously Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, those Manu. two guys sort of transcended not only their positions but the way we we, we look at Manu's skill South set. American. No, Argentina. True. He I'm, did, but he played in Europe, but that's right. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Uh, another guy that also retired last night uh, was three-time NBA champion Dwayne Wade, who also had five NBA Finals appearances. He was the Finals MVP in 2006, All-Star Game MVP in 2010, 13-time All-Star, two-time NBA lean scorer, eight-time member of the All-NBA team, three-time All-Defensive player, uh, sorry, on-defensive team as well, and uh, number 10 in all-time playoff scoring, Javon, what is your lasting impression? Like, what is the legacy of Dwayne Wade for you? Do you like do you, do you, do you look at his individual accolades over what he accomplished with the three dolls or whatever? Greg fucking coin. I think which, 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 whichever way you look at Dwayne Wade, right? There, there's not a negative spin that you could put to it. When I look at him, I, I see it, the uh, a resilient, strong. Uh, individual who who was a hero to so many people i remember i got it i don't buy nba jerseys but i bought a Dwayne wade jersey and if you look at the the raptors last game against the heat when Dwayne wade came in 
And that's another thing. Dwayne Wade didn't care about whether he he started or came off the bench. He was yeah. he was doing that's what the it team right wanted. there. That's what's going to go in and selflessness. And He's one of the most selfless players in the history of the game. You got to think of the fact that he was the number one guy on a championship team yep. with Shaquille O'Neal. A couple years later, they bring in LeBron James and Chris Bosh. First year, he tried to still be the man in 2011. They lost the Dallas Mavericks that year. And he Second realized. season, exactly. They, the story was LeBron James and Dwayne Wade went to Las Vegas and discussion. Dwayne Wade simply came to the decision that LeBron, you are a better player than me. This is your team. Run with it. And they won the championship in next year. And that's more of an indication of what kind of person, what kind of character Dwayne Wade has a man. Exactly. Has as a man. And and listen, he... he he, he he may get a little bit of negative attention because he sort of coerced LeBron and Chris to form the big three in Miami and win a couple championships. But at the end of the day, that's, the, that. that's, that's the only thing you can fucking point like point out as like a negative blip in the radar of his career. And the bigger thing for me, the big fuck up for me is the lack of love and respect he got from Pat Riley after he took that discount contract to bring in LeBron James and Chris Bosh after they didn't meet his contract demands and he signed that two-year 46 for Chicago. Well, Pat, yeah. Pat, Pat Riley's a businessman, you know? I wouldn't expect him to be any other way. But, you know, I don't think that we could we could talk about Pat Riley when we talk about Dwayne Wade. Um, there was a video I seen on the internet where he, Dwayne Wade was getting congratulations from all these guys who were out, all these people and individuals who were outside of basketball. So he had sponsored a, a young girl to get a full tuition in university and she graduated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I His, saw that. you seen this video, it's right? quite touching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I just love the model behind it where it was Dwayne Wade's ability on the court was manifested in something that was bigger than basketball off the court. Mm-hmm. And his ability to support the community in so many different ways, him dealing with the the hardships that his mom had to go through while he was being brought up and with her going to jail and then coming out and mm-hmm. seeing that Dwayne Wade was still uh, striving, being relentless, being resilient and, and, and trying to become a better person. And he not only set the example for so many people, but he set the example for his own mother. And mm-hmm. I think that just speaks volume about Dwayne Wade. And, and as a player... I always appreciated how he played the game in that like it's not a great like, shooter. Almost yeah, but but he knew that and like he didn't try to be something that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He just attacked. Yeah. He attacked. And he was so cl- but he was so clutch with a three though. Yeah. Like he would shoot twenty five percent the regular season and you'll have like one game in the playoffs where he's shooting like seven for nine from the three and just carrying the team. And that was a, that's the difference between him and, and James Harden. But yeah, and but my my um my regret then, Brandon, and I was saying this watching him the other day. You know, he's had gas in the tank the last couple of years, and like, you know, with the exception of trying to go to Cleveland there and how that all fell apart, like he never got another run at it, right? And I feel like a veteran like that, like it'd be nice to see him settled on a well, on, that, a, that's on a nice bench role on a competitive team. More of an indication of what kind of character Dwayne Wade is. Dwayne Wade yeah. arguably could be the greatest. Floridian athlete of all time. If you go down the list and look at any respect of sport, you could bring up the Dolphins, you could bring up the Panthers, you could bring up the Marlins, etc. Dwayne Wade might be the greatest, with the exception of Dan Marino, the greatest uh, f- athlete from the state of Florida and his yeah, loyalty to that team. You know, you're right. He could have quickly made a decision and gone to the Golden State Warriors, the Cleveland Cavaliers, sure as shit, any of those, we did go to Cleveland, but sure as shit, any of those teams could have really utilized his skill set off the bench, but he went back home, he went to his team that drafted him and he went to the team that defined his legacy. And the same thing with Dirk Nowinski. In a fucking city dominated by football, the Dallas Cowboys, it's insane to think that Dirk Nowinski might be the greatest athlete in the history of Dallas sports. 
Yeah. And that's yeah. more about the individual accolades and what he accomplished in his own terms and the, and the importance and the impact that one guy can have sticking with one team over his career and how he's marveled as a hero as opposed to LeBron James and his career or, or, or any other superstar, Jimmy Butler, for example. Uh, I was just thinking, imagine Carmelo Anthony never left the Nuggets. Yeah, I. Fuck. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, and look at this. He hasn't even finished. He didn't even make it to to, to 2019. It's really sad where the greatest player that's ever walked on the hard court in the history of the sport still can't get a job right now. <laughs> last last great American ball hog. Greg, do you have a gripe? Brandon, <laughs> you know I I haven't said anything about this because you know you don't want to be labeled as the socialist in the room, right? But look, I can't handle the in-game advertisements anymore, Brandon. It's gotten so bad, right? They, they, they put them in the middle of the free throws, right? We have commercial breaks for a reason. Do we really need, to, do we really need breaks in the middle of free throws, quick flashes of Bud Light? Mm-hmm. Oh, my right? gosh. On top of that, I got Matt Devlin... Right? Reading off things about the keg. Right? And now at the bottom, at the bottom of the of the of the screen, the subway advertisements. But I mean, what should we expect, right? The practice facility is now named the OVO Center. The, the one last pure things that you'd think would be untouched by corporate interests. The fucking basketball jersey has a manual little patch on the top oh left my gosh. right now. It's so annoying. I hate it. I hate it. It's take it's taking the the it's not taking the fun out of the game, but the corporatization of the game is just so blatant. The bigger one and for that's me. That's the thing. It's so it, blatant. The worst like, one, though, is 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 like is college sports. It's college basketball. The Dr. Pepper halftime show. When these motherfuckers are not getting a goddamn penny, that's right. why are you sponsoring content on a fucking sport where they don't pay their athletes and the coaches make $10 million? Where's that money going toward? The academic institution, ESPN. I don't understand what's happening. No, it's, it's gross. It's somebody's pockets. It's gross. Oh my God. And like, just look at the whole like fiasco with all these assistant GMs and all these uh, people loosely affiliated with these colleges Bribing. going to jail for years because they offered some kid a fucking $100,000 to go to school. Shut the fuck up. And, and it highlights the double standard too, right? Yeah. So when a player wants to jump ship and do what's in his economic best interest over the team, it's yeah. like, you know, they gain so much negative attention, so much stigma, but yet the team is. Like obviously it's a business, but no they, one ever speaks about no one ever speaks about all the different ways in which they're you know trying to siphon off as much money as possible in whichever way possible. Yeah, and and just on that note, because watching the NCAA final, which was a great final, so Texas Tech had three transfers. Hmm. They had three transfers, and oh by the way, quick quick shout out to Jarrett Culver, who I threw as my number three overall prospect carrying Texas Tech. Or, yeah, right to the fucking final yeah. too. But but I mean. Th- this idea, right? That that uh, it's interesting that they wound up at Texas Tech, right? Because probably the big name schools didn't want them because it, it, you know, it's poor form or whatever to do that. But now, because of the way that that things are structured, like, or if you don't get to the final, or if you don't get to the to the tournament, like, you won't get drafted. So guys are jumping ship, right? They, they they're acting like agents in their own destiny. Well, it's also, yeah. it's also based like like on Kentucky, for example. That would like how many four or five star recruits can you sign? Yeah, you know, let's say you signed I can't six stand four that star Kentucky coach man. He bothers six, me. Let's say you signed five four star, three five. Uh, sorry, four four star, three five star. 
you know, that that eighth guy is not going to get any PT. Realistically, if he went to any other and that's small mid-level team, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. We'll be back next week with our NBA awards. Christian was out this week with the Filipino flu, but he'll be back to give us his <laughs> breakdown next week. Thank you so much for listening. Again, you can catch us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, etc. SoundCloud. Yep, there we go. SoundCloud. Um, Greg Pace with SoundCloud. That's why he's shutting it out for us right now. Shout out! Um, Benny Bain! Follow us on T-Sport Matters Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in, and peace out, Toronto. Benny Bain!